Hello, and welcome to the Activate Podcast. I'm going to pray for us to get started, and then we're going to jump right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that you're with us today. I thank you that not only are you with us, but you've given us your Spirit. God, I thank you that your Spirit dwells within us, and because your Spirit is within us, we can have the mind of Christ. We can know things that are spiritual things. We can understand things that are spiritual things that are not like the things of this world. And God, I pray that today we would understand spiritual things, that we would apply them to our lives, that God, you would use us in mighty ways, that you would use us like a tool in your tool belt to be part of this big construction of salvation that you're forming and and, and making throughout this entire world. Lord, I thank you that your love reaches across the globe, that your love reaches into every heart, into every person, and it transforms us. Lord, I pray that by your word today, we would be transformed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about activating a secret weapon in our lives, a secret weapon that we forget about that I think that we all need to focus on a lot more. This is a secret weapon that is usually put off as secondary, as um, an afterthought. And this secret weapon is vital to the life of a believer. And that secret weapon is love. God loved the world so much. God loved people who were not perfect, people who were far from good. And he loved them with such a deep love that he sent part of himself his son, knowing that his son would die. But he loved us enough to do so that we could be so close to him. We who are so imperfect could be close to him. He loves us with an everlasting love. Even though we find ourselves imperfect, he continues and continues and continues to love us. So we can't just stop at God loved the world. Past tense. We have to look at God currently loves the world. God currently loves you. God currently loves me. And he loves us so much that he would send himself to us. He would send his son knowing that he would die, knowing the path marked out for him. He loved loved us so much that he would reach out to us imperfect people. Whoever says that God lives in him must live as Jesus lived, it says in 1 John 2, 6. So we know God loved us so much to send his son to die that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life, would not perish. Whoever says that God lives in him must live as Jesus lived. Now we looked at how Jesus lives and he he lived a perfect sinless life. And that's impossible for us except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we say that God lives in us, then we have to live like Jesus lives. 1 John 3, 14 says, Whoever does not love is still in death. So we are so confident of our salvation. We are so confident that because God loved us, He sent Jesus. Because Jesus came, He made a new covenant in His blood, that He is the sacrifice that stands between us and God. He is the one that makes us holy. But here's what these verses are saying. They say, whoever lives in God has to live like Jesus lived. And also, whoever doesn't love is still in death, which means we're not alive in Christ. So this love must be pretty important. If we're going to live as Jesus lived and live a life of love, it's super important. In Leviticus 19, 18, this is way back with Moses getting the law. It says this, forget about the wrong things people do to you. 
I want to stop right there. I want to scratch that off and erase it. But it says it. It says, forget about the wrong things people do to you. Has God done that in your life? Has he forgotten about the wrong things that you've done to him? Leviticus says, forget about the wrong things people do to you. You must not try to get even. Okay, the first one was hard. The second one is hard too. The first one, forget about the wrong things people do to you. Hard. The second thing, harder. You must not try to get even. It says this in Leviticus, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am the Lord. Didn't God do this for us? Didn't he love us so much that he sent himself? He loved us as he loves himself. He loved us and sent his son. We're going to take a look uh, pretty extensively in 1 John today. In 1 John, um, it says that 1 John, we're going to start right in chapter 3. Well, let's go back to chapter 2. Chapter 2 says, uh, chapter, 1 John chapter 2, 5 says, But if someone obeys God's teaching, then God's love has truly arrived at its goal in him. If we obey God's teaching, we know that his love has arrived in us. Okay, so what is God's teaching? He sums up all the law and all the prophets. So the whole Old Testament, Jesus sums up the entire Old Testament. Isn't this great? We still should read it. But here's the summary. Here's the cliff notes, and it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Love God, love others. Okay, so summing up the entire Old Testament, love God and love others. God gives us an example of love in sending himself to die. So what do we do to be like God? We send ourselves to other people. Do we send ourselves to people who are convenient? That's not the blueprint that God laid out to us through Jesus. No, he sent his, himself to people who were very inconvenient. He sent himself to an obstinate and stubborn people. He sent himself to people who were full of sin, greed, pride, all of these things he sent himself to. He didn't look for the righteous. He didn't look for the perfect one to send his son to. He looked for common people. He looked for people full of all of the, the sinfulness and send him, himself to them. So we too, if we want to live as Jesus lived, if we want um, to love like Jesus loves, then we need to go to people who are very inconvenient, which is pretty much the human race. I mean, it's pretty much anyone that you meet. <laughs> to really deeply, truly love someone is inconvenient. It's not a natural tendency of us as humans. We might be friendly or nice to people, but to truly love as God loved, to lay down his life for someone, we are very good at outside love. We're very good at uh, doing things that are convenient for us or happen to be on our way somewhere. Oh, I could drive you here if it's on the way of what I'm doing already. It's not too hard. But what God did was hard. What God did was not the wisdom of this world. It was spiritual wisdom to, to die for someone else, to lay down his life for someone else. So we see in 1 John chapter 2, but if someone obeys God's teaching, which is to love God and love other people, then God's love has truly arrived at its goal in him. Whoever says that God lives in him must live as Jesus lived. 
whoever says that God lives in him must live like Jesus lived, (laughs) which is so different than our natural desire and tendency to live. Our Americanized, Westernized life is not how Jesus lived. So how do we live as Jesus lived? Let's keep looking in 1 John. Uh, Chapter 3 says, The Father has loved us so much. He loved us so much that we are called children of God. So he didn't love us on the surface level saying uh, that we would just be his slaves or we would just be his underlings or we would just be his robots. He loved us enough to make us his children, even though we aren't perfect, even though we aren't convenient, even though we're not good, even though we don't listen, even if we don't fall in line, he loves us enough to make us his children. Now, this is not common everyday westernized love, is it? To take sinners and make them your children, (laughs) to take people who don't deserve it and give them everything. That's the love of God. That's the love that we're trying to put on uh, like Christ did. And we mentioned this before in 1 John chapter 3. It says, whoever does not love is still in death. If we want to be alive in Christ, then we need to love as Christ loved. It will transform us from the pattern of this world to the pattern of a spiritual life in Jesus. And the only way that we can do it is to have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, coming out of us. Because in our own selves, it is not natural for us to love horrible people. (laughs) It's natural for us to protect ourselves, to walk away from people who are inconvenient or not as healthy as we perceive ourselves to be. 1 John 3, 18 says, my children. Okay, so first he's calling us his children. That's just saying, I love you. It's a big dose of love. He says, my children, our love should not be only words and talk. My children, right there, you're God's child. You are God's child. And he has made that available to every sinner across the entire globe. He has loved the whole world. He right now currently loves the whole world so much that he calls us his children. He calls us the sinners who have been made right by Jesus, his children. He says, my children, our love should not be only words and talk. Our love must be true love. And we should show that love by what we do. Our love can't just be an idea in our heads. Our love has to be what we actually, physically do for other people. In our minds, we are great Christians, but to act it, act it out, to actually do it, to uh, make the plan happen, we have to not just have words and talk, we have to have deeds. We have to physically do things that are loving. We have to come through for people. We have to love people. And what does love look like? <laughs> Love looks like what it looked like for Jesus, taking time for people, laying down his life for people, talking to people, going after the one who had left the group. 1 John 4, 7 says this, the person who loves has become God's child and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. How can we be Christians and not love? 
How can we be Christians and not love? I think that's the difference um, between being a modern-day Pharisee or Sadducee, is that difference of love. The Pharisees and Sadducees were very good at outward appearances. They were very good at the talk. They were very good at following rules and looking the part. But in their actual love of people, they fell short. And I'm afraid that I fall short time and time again in actually doing this thing called love. We're not talking romantic love. We're talking godly love. What does godly love look like? Godly love looks like going after sinners in bad places. It's pursuing people with kindness. In verse 10, it says, true love love is God's love for us, not our love for God. Our love is back and forth. If you charted, if you had a chart of your love for God, you would have hills and valleys, ups and downs, here and there. So our example of love is not how much we can love God. Our example of love is how much God loves us, how much God loves other people. When you look at people around you, you can look at each person and say, God loves you so much more than I ever could. But my goal, my desire is to love you like God loves you. And when you look at your neighbor, if you look at the person next to you, if you look at the people that live in your home, I want to love you like God loves you. God's love is continual. It's eternal. It doesn't stop based on our deeds or our actions. The love is consistent over time. It's consistent um, over every season of life. Can we love people that way? If we can, then we know God. If we know God, then we will love. 1 John 4, uh, verse 16 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. I want God to live in me. I want to live out a godly life. And in order to do that, uh, the Apostle John says, we need to love. We need to love. So back to Leviticus 19.18, remember what it said, forget about the wrong things people do to you. In light of what we just said of how much God loves us, how much he has called us his children, how much he has lavished his love on us, now we need to forget about the wrong things people do to you. Has God done that? Has God God himself forgotten about the wrong things I have done to him? Yes, he has. And I stand on that promise that God has forgotten my sin as far as the east is from from the west. He has washed me whiter than snow. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. I stand on that promise. Can I stand on that promise when somebody wrongs me? I have to forgive just like God forgave me. Forget about the wrong things people do to you. You must not try to get even. And let's take a look in Romans because that talks about how it's God's job to get even on our behalf and that we shouldn't be looking for um, our own punishment for other people. In Romans chapter 12, First of all, in Romans chapter 12, the verse or the chapter title is give your lives to God. If we give our lives to God, uh, it means that we will live like Christ. It means that we will love unconditionally. We are very easy at loving at first when things are easy, but to love unconditionally, that is a godly love. So Romans 12, 19 says, my friends, do not try to punish others when they wrong you. I'm going to say it again because we, we are very good at skipping this part. My friends, do not try to punish others when they wrong you. Don't try to punish them with bad attitudes. Don't try to punish them uh, with anything. 
Don't try to punish others when they wrong, wrong you. Wait for God to punish them with his anger. It is written, I am the one who punishes. I will pay people back, says the Lord. But you should do this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. Doing this will be pouring burning coals on his head. Do not let evil defeat you. Defeat evil by doing good. God says, I am the one who punishes. So don't even consider it. Don't even put it on your radar. When something wrong is done to you, forget about it. Pray and give it to God. Cast your cares on God. God, this person did this. God, you see. God, I am your child and you see the wrong that has been done to me. God, you see this negative situation and I hand it over to you. If you hold on to it, if you take it into your own hands and you're not loving that person, if you take it into your own hands and try to work it out for your own good, then you're going to have what it says in James that uh, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The righteousness that God desires lets him take care of it. So God's job is to judge. God's job is to take care of all of these things. But what's our job? What's our response? So somebody wrongs you and you're hurt. You come before the Lord. You cast your cares on him. You don't cast your cares on your mom or your sister or your friend or your husband or your pastor. You cast your cares on God because he cares for you. And he can come through in ways that these people cannot and should not come through for you because God loves that person more than you could ever love them. And he sees a bigger picture and a bigger plan and the whole picture and the whole plan. So you let God take care of it. You're his child. He loves you. He's going to fight for you. He's going to protect you, but he's going to do it in his time. And God is not late in keeping his promises. He is right on time. So we trust. That's our trust in God. Loving other people is an example of our trust in God. So I trust God with the wrongs that have been done to me, but I have a responsibility. So I have someone who has wronged me. I have a responsibility. It says to feed him, to give him a drink. That means to take care of them. Somebody wrongs you. Someone uh, does something behind your back or, or, or damages your reputation or damages your heart or hurts you. Love them because that's what Jesus did. Jesus hung on a, on a tree that he created. Well, people that he created made fun of him and beat him and put a crown of thorns on his head, mocking him. His retaliation was put in God's hands and how glorious that retaliation was. That retaliation was a new life three days later. That was the resurrection three days later. That was God's power revealed in Jesus. I would rather God's power be revealed in my situation than my own bitterness, anger, envy, uh, remorse, my own uh, vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. It takes all pressure off of us. We don't have to pay anyone back for the things that, we, that, that they've done to us because we see that God is in control. This is a whole new level of trust, right? If we can put God in control of the vengeance over our enemies and if we can love our enemies, that's how we go back and we know that we are in Christ when we love when we love when it's difficult, when it's inconvenient, when it hurts every part of us, then we're identifying in the suffering of Jesus. Then we're identifying in the suffering that our Savior went through. It brings us closer to God. It helps us understand the mind of Christ better. Afflictions bring us closer to Jesus. 
Nothing brings us to our knees like trials. Nothing brings us to prayer. Nothing brings us to faith. Nothing brings us to trust like when we go through things that are hurtful and hard because it forces us to run to the feet of Jesus. It forces us to come so close to Him and to understand Him just a little bit better. Later on in Romans, uh, in chapter 13, verse 8, it says, You will always owe love to each other. You will always owe love to each other. We have a debt that is not paid, and that is the debt of love to one another. We owe each other love. So as you are in community with other people, in your home, in your church, in your work, in your life, every person you see, realize that you owe them a debt of love, it says in Romans. You will always owe love to each other. The person who loves others has obeyed all the laws. Because if you you sum up all the laws, if you were to truly love God, if you were to truly love other people, then we're following the Ten Commandments. If I love others, then I won't murder or covet or steal. It covers everything. If I could love other people and realize I owe them a debt of love that will never be fully paid, that I'm going to live a complete, I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to live a completely different way. The end of Romans 13, it says, take up the weapons used for fighting in the light. That's love. Our weapon, our secret weapon is love. We fight in the light. We don't fight in the darkness. We don't cross over into darkness when someone wrongs us. Just because someone else does something wrong doesn't mean I do something wrong too. Just because someone else hurts me doesn't mean I hurt too. Just because somebody um, offends me doesn't mean I can go off and gossip or offend I can bring it to the feet of my Savior who will love them even better than I can, and His vengeance will be perfect in the right time. And then I can identify. It is an opportunity to identify with Christ. It is a weapon for fighting in the light. We don't want to fight in the darkness. We want to fight in the light. We want to fight through love. Love is a weapon. Love is a weapon. Romans 13, 14. Clothe yourself with the Lord. (laughs) That's it. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Forget about satisfying your own sinful self because the opposite of love is satisfying ourselves. It's our pride saying, I don't deserve to be treated like this. I don't deserve for someone to do this to me. It's placing us in a higher place. And, And what Jesus did is he became a servant to all. He became lower than everybody else. So he laid down his life. He washed his disciples' feet. He came last so he could be first. When we humble ourselves, then God can lift us up in due time. The in due time are those three words that we need to remember in due time. So humble yourself and humble yourself and humble yourself and do it again and again and again. And in due time, God will lift you up. So our humility is not taking offense. Our humility is not uh, running uh, with gossip. It's bringing these things before the Lord. That's our weapon of love. That's our weapon that we fight against in the light. God currently loves you. God currently loves the world. God currently loves us more than we could even imagine, so much so that he would send his son. And he says, identify with my son by loving other people. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. And the title of chapter 3 is Your New Life in Christ. 
So now um, our sinful self has been put to death and our new life in Christ is a life of love. Our new life, anything in Christ is love. God is love. His son is love. So when we put on Jesus, we put on love. When we um, don't just talk about it, we do this thing called love. We, we wage war in the light. So Colossians 3 verse 12, we're going to read from here. It says, God has chosen you and made you his holy people. He loves you. So always do these things because of God's love. Do these things. Show mercy to others. Be kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, then forgive him. Forgive each other because the Lord forgave you. Do all these things, but most important, love each other. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. You are all called together in one body to have peace. Always be thankful. Let the teaching of Christ live in you richly. Use all wisdom to teach and strengthen each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart towards God. Everything you say and everything you do should all be done for Jesus, your Lord. And in all you do, give thanks to God, the Father, through Jesus. And it goes on to talk about wives and husbands and children and how then we should act in response to this love of God, that we should submit ourselves to each other because God loved us so much. We should be a picture of God's love to other people. When I think about loving people, you look across and you you look at people who are convenient to love. And the Bible says, you know, even sinners can love someone who's easy to love. What about the people who are not easy to love? The story of David Wilkerson is pretty wide known. It's the story of the man who started the Teen Challenge Program. The Teen Challenge Program addresses um, addiction among young people. And it's a, a worldwide organization that that helps people with addictions. But this all started when David Wilkerson was sitting in his home in Pennsylvania and he was watching the news and he saw a broadcast about some young kids who had gotten in trouble and were in court. And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, go help them. And that was the start. I mean, the whole story, it's the cross and the switchblade and you can see the video, the movie or, or read the, the book. But the whole story started because God pricked his heart, David Wilkerson's heart with love for people who didn't deserve it. He said, go to New York City and help a bunch of kids who are in gangs and doing drugs and bad things. That's how this worldwide organization began and has helped so many people. But it began out of, out of obedience of love for people who don't deserve it. When we humble ourselves and we realize we don't deserve it either, when we realize the love that God has lavished on us, we can love everyone. But because of David Wilkerson's obedience, Teen Challenge was birthed out of love for bad people. And I think about Jesus who brought salvation. That was out of love for bad people. Jesus came for the sick, not for the healthy. Jesus came for the, 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 the outcast. He came for the one that everybody else said was unwise. His ideas and his ways are spiritual. They're not 
the world's ways. And what about us? Are we willing to love people who aren't convenient? Are we willing to love sinners just like ourselves? Or do we think we've arrived and therefore we're at some level where we don't have to help people underneath us? We don't have to help people who have anger problems or who don't show up to church when we want them to or don't act the way we think they should. People who steal, people who curse, people who drink, people who are rude, people who don't show up. You know, a good friend of mine texted me the other day and said that she was stuck waiting in a driveway. There was a woman that she was picking up to go get free food, and the woman was making her wait and making her wait more and more and more. And she said, well, such is ministry. And it's so true. Such is a life like Christ. Everything is offered to us, and yet we make God wait. It's all right there, and yet we don't... uh, take on this love that God's giving us. And this person was offering love to the woman and she was still making her wait. And this is just a picture of Christ. That's what we do to Christ. And that's how we act like Christ. You know, loving people is not always convenient and it's not supposed to be convenient. It's inconvenient time and time again. And this person may not ever really know the love that they had for her waiting for her and how inconvenient it was, but they did it anyway. That's godliness. Godliness is is that, and it's all other things that are so much harder. And that's why it says love deeply. Don't love as the world loves. Love as Jesus loves. And, And the world is supposed to know us by our love for one another as Christians. They're supposed to say you're way different because you actually love people. (laughs) And I think that this secret weapon of love is one we've ignored for way too long. And these verses cut right to our heart because it's true that um, whoever does not love is still in death. And whoever says God lives in him must live as Jesus lives. I hope that cuts right to your heart because it cuts right to mine. That if I'm not loving people, then I'm not really loving God. Because God currently loves the world so much. God currently loves my neighbor. God currently loves my family. God currently loves every person in my congregation at my church. God currently loves every person in my workplace so much so that he would send himself, his son, to die, knowing the the, the journey would be death. How much more should I, uh, having received this forgiveness, love other people? How much should I be like Jesus in laying down my life for other people? There's an account of John uh, the Apostle late in his life being carried into a village, and the people wanted to hear the word, you know, anything that John the Apostle would say. So they would bring him in, and he was carried into the village very, very old, and they would say, John, speak to us, speak to us. And all he would say is, my little children love one another. And they would bring him back, and the next day they would bring him out. And they're like, give us a word. Tell us something. Tell us something. And he would say the same thing. My little children love one another. And he kept saying that and kept saying that because he said, if you can accomplish that, if you can do that, if you can love one another, then you've known God. This is a big challenge and it's not a natural thing, but through the Holy Spirit, if salvation is possible, then all things are possible. We need to activate the secret weapon of love because that helps us to know God. It helps us to live like Jesus. As inconvenient and un-American as it is to consider someone over ourselves, we must put on the mind of Christ. We must act like Jesus. Let's pray. God, we need your spirit in this matter. We need you 
to transform us to be like your son, Jesus. Help us to love not just in our talk, not just in our thoughts, but God, help us to love in the way that we act. Help us to love the unlovable. Help us to love every person. Help us to see people as you see people. And you love people so much that you laid down your own life for them. Help us also to lay down our lives, our sinful desires, our selfish desires. Help us help us to lay those down so that we can love other people. Help us to be known for our love for one another. Jesus, it's only possible through you. Thank you for your great example. We want to honor you. We want to be like you. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. If you'd like to hear more Activate podcasts, you can search soundcloud.com. Search for Jillian Pelkey. The podcasts are also available on YouTube and on iTunes. Thank you for listening.